the Sports Career Podcast, episode 259. How can eSTEM learning develop the football industry? Hello Sports Achiever and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the football industry, especially if you have an interest in eSTEM learning and how it's applied in a football club. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Matt Mead. Matt is Head of Corporate and Sports Partnership at Spiro, where Spiro specialises in eSTEM learning for young children so they have a better understanding of coding and robotics. For that reason, it's a pleasure to have Matt as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Matt will share his sports career journey and explain how eSTEM learning can develop the football industry going forward. Matt, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please do share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? So I guess, like probably a lot of your listeners, you know, sport has always been a big part of my life. I played it as a kid. I played everything. I enjoyed everything, even through to my university days from football, cricket, basketball, rugby. I played baseball, American football, beach volleyball. I just loved playing sports. But I guess really, it must have been like, end of, was it year nine or year 10 when you did your work placement? I went to a local primary school and helped the PE teacher. And I just got this kind of buzz from just helping people. Um, I think maybe being the oldest of two other kids as well in the family, I always felt like I had to help them and support them uh, as we were growing up. So I always had this natural in- inclination to want to help people. Uh, so when sport was a big part of my life, it seemed like a natural fit. So I went to university after, so after college, did my A-levels in PE and I played sport and I played cricket and football. And I loved that. And I did my coaching badges there and I didn't really know where that was going to take me. I just thought I'd get to coach kids and what a great way to spend a career. Um, but it took me all the way through to working for Major League Soccer in, in North America as well as Camp America and then ultimately coming back to the UK and working at my local professional football club which was Brighton Hove Albion all the way through to, to Chelsea Football Club and, and to today. So my whole career has been sport uh, but using sport to make a difference which has been a, a really enjoyable uh, way to work. We'll talk about that in a lot more detail with regards to the power sport but just going back in time with all the different sports you played what life lessons have you learned out of interest? I mean, teamwork's an obvious one. It's critical. You know, I've been fortunate within my whole career to always be in a position of management or leadership, which I think a lot of that comes down to sports because of the fact that I'd worked with 11 players on a football field or a cricket field. I'd worked with others in other games. You just feel like you learn so many amazing lessons through being part of this unit where you you all had this one common objective which is to try and win or or perform well and I think you can take a lot of that from working with people from communication from teamwork being creative uh, and resilient you know when things get tough in sport and you've got to dig in these are all lessons that I think we need in life uh, not just when you cross a white line but when you're in the boardroom or in the office when you're in the studio whatever it may be there's so much you can take from sport to make you be a better person and perform well at whatever you do. And with regards to your time out in America with the coaching side, what skill sets have you developed there? Because really there is a theme 
can't say all, but I would say at least 40% of people on my show have done some sort of coaching related. For me, it was tennis coaching. And without a doubt, when I was coaching in Durham in a secondary school with literally old secondhand rackets to literally hitting a ball over a bench, I learned more. I improved my communication skills in that environment than actually in a work placement environment, if that makes sense. So just out of interest, how has coaching supported you? Which I know a lot of the listeners who are at university do coach voluntarily. So what transferable skills, looking back now, supported you on that side of things from a coaching standpoint in the business world? Well, I think if anyone can take control of 20 to 30 kids, eight, nine years old, and get them to listen and do stuff, they can do anything in an office environment. I mean, I father of three boys is the best job in the world. It's also the hardest job in the world. But I think I learned so much from my coaching days because you're in control of kids and you had to potentially, especially when I was coaching in North America, a lot of these young soccer players were awful. As anyone has coached, it's very recreational, beginners, grassroots, and these kids really don't know what they're doing, which is good because you get to work with a blank canvas. But trying to work with 30 kids who don't know what they're doing in a set time zone, you've got all these objectives to try and hit. It's challenging, but the ability to communicate clearly and support and understand and be empathetic to a child's position is really quite a skill set. And a lot of people who don't have that coaching background maybe never experienced that. We, I've seen that in business where we put professionals from industry into volunteering with kids. They may be the best at their job working in the city or working for a tech company. You stick them in front of 30 kids, they're useless because they've never had this experience and they're nervous and they're anxious and they don't know how to engage with kids. I think anyone that's spent that coaching time with children develop a really cool set of skills, which I think will take them through uh, the rest of their life. If it's okay with you, could we dig deep on that point with us to communication? Just for anybody listening, like what was the key? Was it your verbal? Was it your body language? Was it just listening? Could you just dig deep? Because I think this is so important, not just in a coach environment, but also in an interview environment as well, because it's still all about quality communication. Like, How would you define quality communication out of interest? I think you, you kind of nailed it there. I think, you know, Body language is, is crucial, uh, whether it's an interview like you and I are doing now or a job interview or with children. I think anything about being present and looking present at, at that moment in time, you're engaged with that individual because it's only a moment in time. We have these continuously all day and it could all be gone in a second. You never know. So I think being present and especially a young person who may look at you for trust, support, someone to listen to, because we have no idea what that kid's going through in their home life. And this one hour soccer session or tennis session might be the thing they look forward to the most. And I think if you as a coach or a leader or as an instructor aren't present and not particularly engaged in what you're doing with them, they, you can start to build this distrust and kids feel this. You know, as a father, I see my kids when they're upset and hurt, they pick up on so much. And I think you need to do it now. And I still do it now with the kids. I'm still coaching my son's going into under 11 team and he's under 10 cricket team. You know, I've got to be there for that hour with those kids and try and support them, encourage them, look them in the eye, actually, you know, get down to their level, not just stand above them at six foot and try and tell them off, you know, actually be supportive, kind, have fun with them. I mean, my whole career is always fun and play has been a big part of my growing up and, and my philosophy and work and life actually is enjoying what you do so I think with kids if you enjoy have fun with them look them in the eye treat them with respect as well because they may be eight but they're still humans I think there's a lot there and those those skills are exactly the same if I was telling a young person to go for a job I'd want someone to walk in who is efficient who looks like they want to be there because you see that a lot especially teenagers and young adults who don't 
present themselves in a way which any industry would want. You can just tell it in seconds. I've interviewed hundreds of people for jobs during my time at sport. And I know within the first minute or two whether this individual is going to fit for us. And a lot of it comes down to how they walk in. Do they shake your hands? Eye contact, just general presence and, and stature of the person. So I think it's really, really critical. Thank you so much for sharing that, Matt. I hope people are taking notes because honestly, it's so important and particularly online as well. I know everything's virtual, but it's the same thing of your screen and how you present yourself. But look, could you just paint the picture now with regards to your involvement from, you know, technology now and also your time at Brighton at Chelsea, just to paint the picture of the current work you're doing now, because this is fascinating and I don't want to over egg it, but Really, I think what you're doing is really different in the football industry in particular. So I'm going to give you the mic if you could just paint that journey in a bit more detail. Okay, so just set the context. Prior to uh, my current position, which started in March 14th, 2020, I'll never forget it, two weeks before the global pandemic really kicked off, I'd spent the last 15, 16 years working in within professional sport. So I'd worked as head of education at Brighton Hove Albion from the old stadium through to the American Express Stadium, leading community-based programs using football and education and in technology innovation, etc., to make a difference to local communities of schools and kids and adults across Sussex. Then in 2013, I moved to Chelsea Football Club as the head of education and rebuilt the education department there and kind of tore up the, the rule book and we did things differently at Chelsea uh, and then basically built that into a team of about 16, 17 people until I left using football, education, esports, business, startup, entrepreneurship, doing some really unique and powerful programs within the world of sport but I now find myself leading a program which this will come back to one of my uh, sort of advice for any young person is about thinking big and creating stuff in the world showing value show what you can bring and I basically took an experience I had at Chelsea where we were teaching kids around STEM education so science technology engineering and mathematics and we were using a really cool robotic ball called a Sphero robot and we created this really cool football pitch and we got kids to learn about coding and programming and the fundamentals of what is coding, how does it work and why is it important. But rather than just teaching that in a traditional sense, maybe through a, you know, a website or a normal lesson, we got kids to grab an iPad, grab a robot and make passes, dribble on this pitch, score goals, celebrations and explore the life of football, but through robotics. And it became really, really popular and it enabled myself and uh, my good team I had at Chelsea to travel we helped teams across Europe and I was lucky enough to speak at events across North America from New York Washington San Francisco Vegas through to Paris Saint-Germain on the same stage where Messi was last week when I showed my kids I was like daddy was on that stage a couple of years ago talking about Sphero to have a queue of teams queuing up saying that program you just showed with those robots was really awesome how do, how do we do it so naturally, there became an appetite for that. And I had a conversation with Sphero and just shared some of these ideas. So Sphero is a US robotics company based in Boulder, Colorado. They make K through 12, kindergarten through sort of 12th grade educational toys to, to basically inspire and create the, the creators of tomorrow. So give skills to, uh, to young people now that are going to help them build, invent, engineer the future through robotics. And I just said, look, there's this amazing landscape of professional sports teams and leagues all over the world. And they all have this non-profit attached to them, whether it's a community trust, whether it's a community scheme, whether it's a foundation. And their sole purpose is to go locally into their community and wider, because Chelsea, we did stuff internationally, and inspire and make a change, create social impact. There's a lot of appetite around STEM. STEM is a critical subject that we all know is important. We're all living in this digital society now where technology plays a huge part of our lives is only ramping up and getting faster and faster and accelerating. So the kids now, my kids being four, eight, and 10, 
in, in 10 years, 15 years, the jobs and expectations around skill set for the future are going to heavily rely on STEM education. You're going to be expected to maybe know a programming language. Like now you might learn Spanish or French. You may be expected to know Python or JavaScript or Swift because the jobs of the future can demand these skills. So we try and get kids prepared for those future jobs by doing it through play and fun and kind of trick them into learning. And I kind of call it stealth learning because they're just playing with robots and iPads and playing football. And they think they're having the best time of their lives. But they don't realize some of the really kind of one technical skills they're learning around how actually code is structured and how you bring in loops and pattern recognition and all these amazing STEM-related coding skills. But they also work on what I'm more passionate about, which I think is a broader uh, work focus, is the softer skills around the collaboration skills, their communication skills together because they're working together, their creativity and how they solve problems. I mean, problem solving. I mean, these skills, I mean, if anyone goes up to someone and says, I want a job and I can work with people, I can communicate efficiently, I can solve problems, and I can be creative and think critically about things, every employer is going to go, these are five ticks right there. So we bring this to life through STEM education. And now I find myself in a very fortunate position of the, to be helping more than just like I did at Chelsea and teams in uh, schools and, edu- and kids in London. I'm now working with teams all over the world. And even though we launched Sphero Sports, which is this sports-focused STEM coding experience in the middle of the pandemic in June last year. We now are working over, I think it's 10 different countries, 24 different teams. We're exploring some amazing opportunities with global brands as well who are using this as a CSR outreach. So it's kind of cool to think that, you know, 18 months ago, I had a bit more than that. I mean, nearly two years ago, I had an idea which is now being delivered across 10 different countries, 20 plus different teams, thousands of kids are being inspired through football and STEM. Uh, and I have to say, it's a job that I'm very proud to do. Well, I can tell by your voice, I'm really quickly as a case study because you shared me a video with Everton, which there will be a link that's cool with you where they can see it. Like when I, I, I totally agree about coding, understanding that world of things. Uh, I wish I had that during my transition of IT and these skills. But when I watched this video, which you shared, I was like, I 100% get it. Could you just share the Everton example? I know you've just discussed it a little bit there, but just from a child perspective with that, with Everton Football Club, like how it can benefit them even more. And if any other clubs listening in, there's just one video they can check out and see it with the eye, if that makes sense. Yeah, Everton are a really good partner of ours. You know, we help them because they have this, big ambition to really make STEM education a part of their programming locally across Merseyside. And they created a new program called eSteam, so Everton STEAM. And STEAM is slightly different to STEM that you include the A for arts, which is really important. So science, technology, engineering, the arts and mathematics. And arts plays a crucial role in, in creativity and thinking differently and solving problems. So they have this program that's designed for kids across Merseyside. And as probably many people know, Merseyside has its challenges and there's a lot of underserved youth there that will struggle to get access to these STEM skills because probably at home there's not the motivation or inspiration to show them what the future is going to look like and these kids will miss out and we want to make sure that every child regardless of where they're from and their their social mobility and social economic status gets these opportunities Everton have now got this huge order with us where they have 10 of our Sphero kits which is 150 robots and 60 code mats going out as part of their Everton in the community program across schools across Merseyside where they are basically bringing kids together to learn football and this video uh, football skills via STEM education 
And this video is amazing because basically you're going through your, I don't know, year four, you're at school, oh, Everton are popping in today. And you go into the school hall and as soon as you walk in there, you see these huge football mats with Everton branding on. You see this amazing, basically like a suitcase, with these, can't, these small robot balls, which are about the size of a cricket ball, all lighting up with an LED matrix on there. And you see iPads and basically you're told you're going to be learning, but you're going to be learning through fun. You're going to grab an iPad with a friend and you're going to try and score goal you're going to try and curve a robot round a free kick wall which is tricky because there's a lot of um different lines and commands you have to put in there and a lot of it comes down to maths and you have to really think about your angles and speed and geometry so kids basically are coming out of their classroom going into a sports hall or eventually into maybe goodison or into everton's um people's hub and basically being looking and seeing a guy in an everton tracksuit the team they love you know the and going, this is awesome. This is meant to be school. A team I love, coaches in the kit, coming in, give me a robot, give me an iPad, give me a football experience, and this is learning. And the great thing is, the Sphero Sports curriculum is all aligned to the national curriculum. So it's not like we're just doing some cool experience. The things they're actually learning and working on, their key stage objectives, all make sense and are aligned with the national curriculum. So it's completely relevant for what they're learning in class. And the reason we do this is because a lot of schools and teachers don't have the training, understanding, the technology to run these sessions. So this is where people like Everton can go in and kind of really support schools and bring STEM education to life. And I mean, Everton are doing an amazing job, but we have other fantastic clubs from Aston Villa, Sunderland, Newcastle. We have new teams coming on uh, from Southampton and Brighton. We have teams in Aberdeen, Greenwich, Morton, PSV Ludogrets, Leisure Warsaw, Feyenoord, Nac Breda, PSV Eindhoven, Benfica, Shamrock Rovers. I mean, they're all doing the same project and they're all doing this across their countries. And we have some really amazing conversations going on with other clubs who are going to replicate this. And basically, my, my goal is that this sport becomes the number one platform to drive STEM learning. Because when you look at sport and STEM together, there's a there's very close alignment between the sports industry and STEM roles. And if you learn these skills and how you can access the industry. This is awesome. And just from my experience watching the video, what's brilliant about it is the child is actually learning kinesthetic learning, audio, visual learning, all in that experience. That makes sense. Like that's where it is magic, which when people watch it, they'll get where I'm coming from, from a learning experience. But just for any clubs listening in, because you've named some big clubs, you know, high end in the top leagues, just for anybody listening in who are at a club going, well, what is the benefit of having an education department? I know you've shared the why with, STEM learning but just going back a step what is the benefit of having an educational department at a football club and how can it open up new opportunities from your experience well I think if you either think back to your own childhood or even now observed learning with kids and and even possibly older kids into sort of university not everyone is engaged in what is deemed the traditional teacher methods not everyone is engaged by the national curriculum and how teachers deliver you know and have this ridiculous pressure on them to basically get kids through exams and sats and assessed on how much you know how many students pass and fail these numbers seem to be the focus rather than the focus on the actual learning and the experiences and the the creativity and magic that learning can bring so when you have a class of 30 students for example and maybe you've got you know especially in london white working class boys who struggle with numeracy and literacy and aren't engaged, teachers find it very hard. They may not have the support network at home, so they're not getting encouragement at home. Uh, they're struggling in the classroom. Teachers don't know how to kind of engage them. You've got a demographic there that are going to struggle. When a football club offers an educational program, and I'll, I'll give shouts out 
for the Premier League clubs and the, and the Premier League. You know, the old traditional programs like Premier League Reading Stars was an amazing program. You would have kids coming into a stadium, meeting a professional football player who would read to the players and talk about their favourite book. When you're eight, nine years old and not interested in reading, but a professional football player back at Chelsea, someone like a Frank Lampard, who was also an author, talks about the importance of literacy, the importance of reading and the skills you learn from that. Trust me, these kids pay attention and all of a sudden they're engaged. When you say to them, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, I watched Chelsea game. Okay, why don't you write me a paragraph, match report? All of a sudden these kids are writing five, six, seven lines and the teachers are like, they never do that in class. You're doing it because you've got them hooked on something they're interested in. And football is such a powerful, and sport generally, is such a powerful platform to get a young person inspired to do something. You know, if you say we're going to learn about subject X, they have zero interest, you're struggling. But if you say to them, right about the weekend, what happened at Chelsea? You know, who scored? What was the game like? And they write this, you know, 50-word paragraph. It's not rocket science. You inspire them in something they're interested in. And when people are interested, and same for us, when we are interested in something, we're far more engaged and far more willing to do something. So if football clubs, rugby clubs, for example, in Sphero, we work with Harlequins and Wakeful Trinity, they go out and do exactly the same work. Cricket clubs do the same work. Sport has these departments because they know that sport is powerful. They know it can teach so many life lessons and they know kids will respond well to it. And also showing that clubs want to give back. It's important that they're seen to be doing the right thing. Um, so I think it's just an essential part of modern day sport now. You need to be doing stuff with your young audience because from a branding and marketing point of view, they're your future fans. And that's where your pounds and dollars are coming from crudely, but it's not why foundations do it. But there is that connection about engaging them early, inspiring them and creating lifelong fans. And you've mentioned it earlier, but I'm just sort of, I find this conversation really curious, like really you've opened my eyes on what the work you do. But looking forward, do you think education is, of course, important, but do you think the new age is how education can help people from a career standpoint, like what you're currently doing? But that do you think that's the future of the angle um, by providing kids skill sets for the employment world than just the education side of things? I'm just interested on that point. Yeah, I mean, this divides opinion, this subject of, you know, what is the purpose of education? And from my experience and my position within business throughout my 20 years working now, the education's role is to prepare young people for the world, whether it be business or just life, you know, to be good human beings that can, you know, engage and execute on daily tasks to make sure they progress through the world. And unfortunately, some educational experiences don't prepare that you know they prepare them to know some areas of English and history and maths and science and really critical subjects but when you see young people leaving school at 16 maybe 18 years old it's sad actually how they lack some of the basic skills to communicate whether it's verbally or digitally in the in the business world and show that they're ready for this big wide world where criticism is widely available support could be lacking you know you're not in school anymore you're in the in the world what big wide world and you know there's this lazy assumption that all teenagers are great at technology because they spend time on tiktok and facebook and or maybe not facebook i don't know these days uh and other social platforms and they're engaged constantly but then when you ask them to communicate whether it's via an email or do some a powerpoint or you know a keynote it's amazing how many don't know how to do this and this is the way the world works this is the sort of stuff you should be doing on a day-to-day basis creating content communicating with people and i don't think education prepares them so i think it's really important that teams can leverage this digital waiver on now and teach these skills because they're fun and exciting and they're different which is always a good start for kids they're engaged in something new they can't do at school 
But the reason these clubs are starting to do this is because it's so essential for the modern day world. And we're starting to look at other areas, you know, not just robotics and coding and sport. We're now looking at robotics and coding and esports and gaming because gaming is such a huge part of every young person's life from probably four years old through to teenagers and adults. So you, you, I sit there and go, well, how can we leverage this excitement and, in, and this basically addiction to gaming and then look at well, what are the good learning outcomes from gaming? Same thing communication, teamwork, team management, time management. You know, I said to my kid the other day, you need to come off Fortnite. He's like, okay, I need to let people know I need to end this game. And he was showing all these managerial skills and planning and communicating. And whilst his fingers are moving at a million miles an hour, he's speaking to about 10 different people. The, this is what it's like in the real world. And this is what it's like in business and in the office. You need to be able to do this. And I think there's so much in gaming and esports that we can teach to prepare people. And that's why there's people like the British Esports Federation or Learn to Esport in Sweden who are phenomenal organisations who are basically taking gaming and extracting all the educational value and sticking it into schools because this is what kids want to do and it can prepare them so well for what the future jobs are going to be like. So leaning heavily into digital gaming, uh, esports, for me, that's the future. Awesome. And Matt, just going back to your career now, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back? Um, I think, you know, my time at Chelsea was brilliant. You know, I was born in Hammersmith, so mile and a half, two miles from the ground. I never thought one day that I would be empowered through my position to basically write a strategy to promote the club I loved globally and make a difference as well. So I kind of sat there sometimes going, this is really cool. I'm in charge of a department which is going into teaching kids in London, Sussex, New York, San Francisco. And these are all ideas that I've had as a Chelsea fan, and I've seen thousands of kids globally benefit from that. That was pretty cool. But when we really went into the STEM education piece, I got to work with some amazing partners um, from the San Francisco 49ers, where we worked in Silicon Valley, and they came to London and went back again through to a company called Everfire based out of Washington, D.C., and we were the first international team to put a STEM online learning program in Harlem, New York. Got to visit Harlem a number of times, work with kids right in the city center, you know, in the city of Harlem, and it's a challenging place at times, and uh, just north of Manhattan. And I got to meet some amazing people working with the Smithsonian. You know, if anyone wants to watch Night at the Museum, you know, working with that museum to bring STEM into life. Autodesk in Vegas. I mean, that was a hell of a few days working there and talking about sport and STEM. But that really was the best bit. It was meeting good people that want to make a difference and traveling. You know, I got to go to various different countries, different cities. But the reason why these relationships built was because I met people along the way who just shared a passion like me, who wanted to make a difference, who enjoyed sport as a, as a tool to make you know in, impact. And from there, you just develop good friendships. So really, I think it's the friendships and the experience of traveling the world has been the, the best part for me. Just to go in a little more detail, because we got connected with Tim Chase and you got our conversation going and making this podcast happen. And thank you, Tim, if you do listen to this. But on that point, how important, you mentioned it, like building friendships, but how important is that sort of business term now, networking in the sports industry or particularly football industry as well? Like how important is that looking back of your career? I know you've highlighted it just then, but just for the listeners listening in, why it's so important, could you share from your experience how you're building your network's been important to your career? So networking for me has been a massive part of my role um, and something I advocate and encourage young people to do all the time. You know, we live in a society where we can reach pretty much anyone through social media. LinkedIn's a great platform. I spend half my life on LinkedIn, it builds. But there's nothing like getting to know someone, building a rapport and a relationship. And I'm not saying you do it with everybody because not, we haven't got time for that. But as you go through your journey, whether it's through education at, at 
school through to university, college, and into the real world, you'll meet people along the way that you just sense will make a difference in your life. And it's those relationships that you start to lean into and start to, one, contribute to, because you don't want to be the guy or girl that just takes from relationships all the time. I don't think it works that way. I think it's got to be a bit of both. You need to invest time and energy into that relationship. And I've done that with many people over my career that still remained good friends now that I know I can pick up a phone and text or call and have an answer and, and pick up the phone. There's a time we're going through now where we're stuck behind screens and, you know, social connection has been lost. It's not the same. You can reach out to people, you can send them messages. And as I find, I do a lot of outreach and I'm trying to drive a completely new innovative idea into a, an industry that doesn't even know what STEM really is. So trust me, I have faced a lot of rejection. A lot of people aren't interested. A lot of the answers no, or they just never get back to you. So you kind of get used to accepting no as a challenge and then just get used to not hearing from people. But when you meet people in person, there's so much like we mentioned earlier from body language communication that you can build that rapport with people. So I would encourage people to just, especially in the football industry, which is the world's biggest game, but the jobs are really minimal. It's not like because it's the biggest game in the world, there's jobs falling off trees. You know, you have to really work hard to get into the industry because there's a lot of people and it's very competitive. And I would really encourage getting to know people and just understanding what is it maybe you can do and also what can you do to help the industry? You know, what can you bring to the table? Network and understand the industry and what can you bring? Because people want problem solvers. And if it's not just, I'd like a job because it's my favorite team and I've got coach badge X, Y, and Z or what else can you add? What extra value can you add? How else can you help in that role? So I think getting to know people, your true self is far better than a, a LinkedIn message or a 20-minute interview. It's That's where people actually buy into you and will then fight your corner potentially to get you into roles. I hope people are taking notes. And I just want one more follow-up because I, know I get a lot of messages from young people starting out. You said like you dealt with a lot of no's. I turn that into next opportunity. That's how I funnel it. But how do you handle rejection? I know it's part of life, but a lot of people at the beginning shy away and lose that confidence. So for you, I know rejection is part of life, but for you, how have you sort of funneled it, it so you stay focused on what you're currently doing? I mean, I won't lie, it's tough. No one wants to get told no in anything in life. You know, when you're a child, you don't want to get told no. You can't have you know, your toy or watch TV for another 20 minutes, you know. We, but we are human beings that go through it for our entire life. It never gets easy. I mean especially with something like Sphero Sports, which is, is my baby. It, I created it, I've built it, and I'm running it for Sphero with an amazing support of, uh, of colleagues here, Darren and, and Warren here in the UK and the amazing team in the US. But primarily, it's me on my own reaching out globally to brands, teams, leagues, athletes, trying to drive this. And probably if I was to send 100 notes, I'm probably going to get mid-90s, zero replies or interest because – Maybe there's been the global pandemic has been one thing that has caused a huge change in how teams operate and what their budgets are and what their focuses are going forward. But I'm also realizing I'm driving STEM education, which is still a very new subject and quite a scary subject to some people, into an industry that traditionally doesn't really understand it. They don't understand how sport can play a role with STEM education. I've explained that and really explained that you know, sports as a sector is full of STEM-related careers from groundsmen through to AV engineers, through to business analysts, through to performance analysts. There's all this technical and science and engineering based in stadium design. And then the people go, oh yeah, it is obvious. There is a connection there. Right, next stage. Sphero Sports, X, Y, and Z, you know, why I built it, why you should be interested. But generally it's no. And at the beginning, it was kind of hard because I was so passionate about it and it felt like it was my personal baby. And 
like anything in life, any side hustle business you start, no one's going to care about it as much as you do. And it's personal. And that's just the reality of life. You know, you believe it's the greatest thing to the slightest bread. Most people don't care as much as you do. So you have to get over that and you have to get over yourself, I guess. But now no turns into, okay, well, that door has shut potentially. What's next? And it just means, okay, I can forget that now and move on to the next opportunity because, you know, I want a planet with seven and a half billion people. There's plenty of opportunities out there just because one or two didn't work out. So got to get used to it. It's not nice. And then just like you say, it's the next opportunity. Absolutely. Look, I've got a huge smile because I hope this answers a lot of questions to the listeners if you go through it. But as I said, it's all about perspective of how you take the information and how you process it. But look, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I like to finish with an inspirational one right at the end. And you've given examples, experiences, but just going back to the football industry, because you mentioned it's very competitive, but from your experience, like what three qualities do you need to start a career in the football industry? Okay, well, I think obviously there has to be, for the obvious basic level, some level of skill you need. And and I think people just look at the football industry as a very narrow lens. They look at it as either, I want to play in the industry. If I can't play, I'll coach. And if I can't coach, maybe I'll do physio. And then you kind of go, what's next? The industry is, I mean, I used to say that Chelsea, I don't, I couldn't think of a sector that wasn't represented within professional football from TV, legal, marketing, sales, food and beverage, coaching, you know, there's there's so many different careers. So you need to obviously have a skill set and you need to have something you can bring to the table. But I kind of looked at the industry as like, again, I mentioned earlier, networking and researching. Firstly, understanding the industry, understanding you know, what it does, what it represents, and then kind of trying to find that angle potentially to go into it. Secondly, I'd want people to show value. You know, what can you offer? How can you bring something to this role? Not just applying because I've had a, an experience here. You know, so much more you can do rather than just turn up and doing those three things in a job description. So I can do five things and help bring value in other areas because the, the role in football is so fluid that, you know, you could be working in a role uh, within, say, community programs, but you could be spending time with the marketing team, with the sales team, commercial team. And you have to execute so many skills. So I think it's important to broaden your skill base and learn learn as much as possible and we live in an age now where you can go on for free you can pay for stuff like linkedin learning and skillshare platforms which are really great to learn maybe creative and technical skills but youtube you can learn anything these days and people will show you and educate you so i think the more you can develop yourself to bring extra value to a role the better and the, and the main thing i'd say in sport is being patient i mean this is a thing in life that we aren't very good at as human beings is being patient business especially sport is a, is a huge industry and it moves slow like a lot of things and you know it's rare you come across businesses that move quick you know some tech companies do they're very agile and they want to go quickly um but most sports teams aren't because sport is it's got a lot of lifers in sport a lot of people have done jobs for 10 15 20 years and change is scary to them so therefore you have to take time and be patient for your ideas and opportunities to come to fruition because nothing really happens overnight. I would always encourage people to be patient, but persevere and don't give up. If you feel you're speaking to someone, there's an opportunity there. They see the value, but things aren't happening. Be patient, but persevere, but don't persevere too much. Change takes time. So I would look at my, my top three tips for the industry is network and understand the industry, show value in what you can do and upskill yourself so you can bring even more to the table and be patient because if this is going to happen and it's meant to happen, it will happen potentially. But stick with it, show value, and uh, and just enjoy it because getting into this industry is tough. And when you're in there, just enjoy it because it's, it's great fun. Totally agree. And thank you for sharing those three tips, 
particularly the third one, which is that P word, patience. It's, it's vital, even through my podcast experience. Out of interest, Matt, how can people interact with you online? Uh, best place, uh, Twitter, which I'm frequently, I basically use it all for Spiro. So Matt J. Mead, uh, at Matt J. Mead on Twitter. Um, Spiro.com is a great place to learn more about Spiro Sports. And then LinkedIn uh, is just Matt Mead at LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, I'm always happy to reach out and speak to people, especially any teams or brands that are listening today that would like to, to learn more about Spiro Sports and how I can help them innovate and create new programming. Uh, I'm here to, to help. That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my blog with regards to this podcast episode. Matt, it's been an absolute joy speaking with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. What a fascinating conversation with Matt. I have to say it's podcast episodes like this that get me excited because I really enjoy exploring different sectors of the sports or football industry from a career standpoint. And I never realized the line of work that Matt does in the football industry with regards to the work he did at Brighton and Chelsea Football Club with regards to the education department. So I hope you learned something new as much as I have. But without a doubt, what was the most enjoyable part of this conversation is how eSTEM learning is applied with a football club to educate and support their community, in this case, children. I just find it absolutely fantastic. And without a doubt, there's going to be a link to a YouTube video where you can watch the Everton example of how eSTEM learning is applied with these children from a learning experience. It's just fascinating and phenomenal way of learning. So I hope you've got a better understanding how eSTEM learning is applied in the football industry. But from a sports career development perspective, I hope you apply those career tips from Matt, particularly those having those clear communication methods with regards to how you interact with people in person and online is vital. So I hope you put those tips into place today with regards to your sports career development now and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Matt said, focus in how you can add values in other areas, not just the job description that is required of you. That is how you can really grow in an organization and really grow with regards to your own self-development.